This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Heaters off, we may begin. Also, it's just too cold. Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart. Make Me Smart. Jeez, not a great way to start. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make it today make sense and happy pride to everybody celebrating. Jeez. I'm Kai Rizdahl. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to do the news fix, then the smile thing. Call it a day. Let's get started, shall we? What do you got, Kimberly Adams? Uh, two nice bits of Washington news. One, of course, quasi-debt ceiling related, but the other one also debt related in a different way. Uh, so, you know, I like the segues. Yeah, uh, no, so <laughs> debt ceiling uh, in this bill that looks very much like it's going to be, you know, making it to Biden before yeah. the deadline at this point. Uh, it seems to be knock on wood through the hard parts at this point, although there's some um, scuffling over on the Senate side from folks who don't like the uh, potential spending cuts on the defense side if they aren't Mm -hmm. able to agree to stuff down the road, but whatever. Anywho, in this legislation is some changes to SNAP benefits and cash assistance uh, for needy families, temporary assistance for needy Mm -hmm. families, Mm -hmm. known as TANF, known as, you know, welfare cash. Uh, Highly recommend Chrissy Clark and the Uncertain Hour team and all the work that they're they're doing on work requirements related to welfare, the history behind it and how it actually works, because that's very relevant to what is actually in this legislation, which is increasing the age up to which uh, you would have to have you would have to do up to 80 at least 80 hours a month of work in order to qualify for some of these benefits, particularly food stamps. And uh, as the Washington Post points out, while this can potentially, um, you know, limit the number of people on this program, therefore potentially saving the government money, a lot of the people who need these benefits the most, who are older, um, might have worked really physically demanding jobs when they're younger, which makes it harder as you get older to continue to work uh, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of hours in a month. So just uh, that's something that might show up in that regard. However, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, but the new legislation would also create new exceptions on who's required to work. Veterans, homeless people, and adults aged 18 to 24 who were previously in foster care will be exempt from the new work requirement. And that's new. And so that could potentially expand the number of people who have access to these food benefits in particular if people who are homeless or temporarily without housing don't have to prove that they're working eight hours a week. doesn't mean they're not working 80 hours a month. Sorry, 80 hours a month. It just means they don't have to prove it. Same with veterans and people who've recently aged out of the foster care system. And that could, uh, according to the CBO, an additional 78,000 people a month on average Hmm. will qualify for SNAP benefits as a result of this change, change, resulting in $1.8 billion in extra spending for these low-income folks. So I thought that was very interesting and uh, will make a big difference to quite a few people 
Okay. So the other uh, congressional action related to debt is related to the student Mm -hmm. loan debt program. In this debt relief bill, it acknowledges the thing that Biden has been saying, which is that student loan payments are going to start kicking back in. And he's got this big student debt relief program that's being held up in the courts. But even as the courts are trying to hammer out what to do with it, Congress has now voted to overturn his debt relief program or to block his debt relief program. The House and the Senate have passed a bill to block President Biden's student student debt relief program. 5246 on the Senate side. Passed on mainly party lines in the House, but on the Senate side, 5246 because Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, uh, yeah. I, I hesitate to say cross the aisle because I mean, they don't really spend too well, much time on yeah. the Democratic side yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. But anyway, they voted with Republicans on this one. Biden says he's going to veto it. I think this is going to be like his fifth veto um, of his presidency, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But, uh, you know, it passed and just marking it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Fifty-two forty-six though, ain't uh, veto override territory. So Not in the tiniest you know. bit. Right. So it's right, not right. going to happen. So. I just do think it's useful to note when what makes it through Congress, even if it doesn't become law, because that means they've got, they've marked down who's voted for it, which means that right. in another presidential election cycle, even if it doesn't make it through this time, they've got that legislation pretty much done and they know where their support is, which means if there were a different president in the White House now, that would have made it through. And mm-hmm. that means that mm-hmm. that is legislation ready to go if uh, there's a different person in the White House uh, in 2025. Yes. Oh, good for you for remembering it. Thank you. I, days a year later. That's, thank you. Yeah. It took me yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. What you got? <laughs> so uh, this one is firmly in the category of told you so, told you so, told you so. An article in Bloomberg today. Sorry, I got to open the door for Willie. But, I mean, come on. Who didn't see this coming? The headline in the article is, Billionaire SPAC Kings Dragged to Court After Boom Goes Bust. Mm-hmm. We all remember what SPACs were, right? Special purpose acquisition companies. It's a way for um, companies to go public without really going public. And for investors, specifically big money investors, to make a boatload of money seemingly mm-hmm. really easily and often at the expense of regular investors. Well, it has come to tears. The subhead on on this Bloomberg piece is, with more than 100 SPACs down more than 90%, that is to say the share prices have lost 90%, investors' suits are mounting, and the allegations in these suits are that these big money investors had allegations to push the deals through so that they could become bigger money investors. Mm-hmm. Anybody who didn't see this coming, see me after class. For reals. For reals. I just, I, yeah. Anyway, that's it. I just want to point that out. Y'all should read it. But we knew it was coming. It was, it was a, it was a, a moment of frenzy and, and holy cow, you got to keep your mind when all about you are losing theirs. Item number two, and, and not to be wonky, well, but it's, can I just qu- quickly yes, please, uh, add to that? Please. There was that piece in the journal a couple days ago about how all of these company insiders made mm-hmm. billions of dollars yeah. off these SPACs yeah. just yeah. before, because the journal, I guess, reviewed all these like insider trading documents and whatever, and yep. said executives and early investors in companies that went public via special purpose acquisition companies sold shares worth $22 billion through well-timed trades, profiting before share prices collapsed. So that's it's where that just, lawsuit comes just, in. Just, just, uh, anyway, so there's that. 
Um, just because I made such a big deal of it uh, while it was happening and while it was unclear as to whether or not there was actually going to be a debt limit deal, which while technically still unclear, I believe it is actually going to happen. I talked a lot about mm. uh, the short-term treasury yields and how those that were expiring into the middle of what would have been a default had spiked to at or near 7% uh, a week ago. Those rates on on uh, short-term T-bills back down to a much more reasonable, although still elevated, 5.4%. So the bond market is paying attention. Uh, had you uh, been looking at it early on in, say, the beginning of May, you would have had a precursor of, of the damage that could have been done. And now the bond market is calming down. And I think that tells you that bond traders are reasonably sanguine that this deal is going to get done, as am I. <laughs> as but am we're I. not for a little bit. There were... <laughs> No, I mean, look, they, just... they, look the, the, the Senate could still booger this up. There's no question about it. They absolutely could. They yeah. absolutely could. Yeah. Mm. I, okay. I think for, for me, the real question is what happens next time? Because I wonder if enough Democrats are PO'd enough, shall we say, to keep it without the E rating. Bridget Butner, thank you very much. Um, if enough Democrats are PO'd, actually, to mount a drive to get rid of the debt ceiling once and for all. Not that it's going to clear the Senate, but the momentum has to start someplace. And as I have been on the record saying many a time, this is the stupidest way in the world to run the biggest and most important economy in the world. Just so stunningly stupid. I actually, and this is me, like, layering on hypothetical after hypothetical after hypothetical. Um, if we are in a situation where... The person who wins the 2024 presidential election mm -hmm. is not going to be the most stable for our economy. <laughs> I can very much imagine a, <laughs> a lame duck Congress between November and January, knowing that another debt limit is coming up, passing some legislation to try to buffer that risk. I, I, I uh, yeah, I think I endorse that. I, I, th I think that's absolutely a, a reasonable sum summary. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. We, sh All we right. shall see. Let's hope we don't get there, shall we? Because we don't need that. <laughs> anyway, Drew, or whoever's in charge. <sighs> okay. Sports one. Uh, I, I, I do have a sports one, and I'm a sports guy. I like sports, but I am not a basketball guy. But the New York Times today did one of those interactives um, that makes you guess where the ball is. I don't know if you've seen these, like when the World Cup was on, they showed a bunch of pictures, and the ball was removed from the equation, and you had to guess where the pass was going or where the ball was going to be based on players' positions and all this shit. And it's a fun little, fun little sort of trivia-like thing about, you know, where's this ball going to go? Anyway. NBA final start tonight, uh, Denver and um, Miami. I'm not going to watch a game because I don't like hoops. But the New York Times did another fun interactive today to see if you can guess where the pass is going to go. Because NBA players, the really good ones and some of the not really good ones, can just like pass the ball like crazy and not even look and just dish the ball off. And it's just a fun little, you know, see how the trivia thing goes. And, and I, uh, I did it today. I got 8 out of 10. I sent it to my kids, and of course, one of my sports-crazed sons who will be watching this game got a 9 out of 10, so I have been bested by my own children, which is not news, I suppose. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> I, I feel like I shouldn't even attempt this. Um, no, you just try it. I, just try it. I did very well try on the Kentucky Derby versus inauguration, uh, not inauguration, coronation hat game that 
Um, oh, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Hat did. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did very well on that, <laughs> for whether the funny. hat was at the Derby yeah. or at Coronation. Um, that, that I did well, well on, that, but I don't know I'm going to do so well on this. <laughs> that's the sports analog. I'll take that. That was good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> six, six, pick your stick lane. to our zone. Pick your lane. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right. Exactly. Anyway, All right. What do you got? Um, mine is just something that I thought was just so heartwarming, uh, and I saw it on TikTok, and it's this video about somebody, I guess, in Vancouver or somewhere in Canada who found a wingless bumblebee and thought that it was, like, about to die, but they, like, put their hand out and the bumblebee, like, crawled onto it and they took it home and they started giving it, like, flowers and little sponges soaked with honey and water and they basically had a pet wingless bumblebee for like a month and the bumblebee got all jacked because it could only crawl around and so since it couldn't fly and so its legs got all buff and they were like taking it out to different places where it could hang out with other bees and you know set up this little terrarium and everything for it and Unfortunately, the lifespan of a bumblebee is only like 28 days, but it lived even longer than a month. But it was really a beautiful little snapshot of just like somebody who took a very small, helpless creature and had an amazing month of interacting with a creature that they didn't even realize could have like a personality to it. And it's just very sweet. And it made me smile. And the bumblebee, they named it Ruby, is very, very cute. Oh, that's fine. And so, yeah, I thought it was very sweet. And so be nice to bumblebees. We need our pollinators. There you go. Be nice to bees. <laughs> be nice to bees. All right, yes. we're done. Back tomorrow for Economics on Tap. We'll do the YouTube live stream at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 out of here on the best coast. Uh, news, <laughs> game, drinks. I'm probably having coffee because i got a thing i got to do tomorrow night. Anyway, just so we all know. I'm going to start off the month with a mocktail, so I'm going to be digging into all of my little items. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Jostad. Our intern is Antonio Barreras. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. 